Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin Taylor, the Doo Doo Diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week I'll be bringing you industry know how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Doo Doo Diva Smells Like Money podcast. We are continuing our visit today with Harry Hermes of Rainstoppers. Welcome back to the show, Harry. Thank you so much. We're going to continue our dialogue uh, from last time where we were talking about how do we make our industry more attractive? Because not, you know, we're not the only industry, many industries out there are facing, you know, severe work shortages. But I think our industry more than most across, you know, manufacturing as well as on a municipal level at plants and, you know, crews for collection systems, as well as contractors that support cities, you know, sewer service contractors. So I wanted to get your take as, you know, someone that has been in this industry your family's been in the industry. You're now, what, the third generation in your yes, company's business. The changes that you've seen that you're, you know, maybe your forefathers shared with you and what your insights are on this topic to get the word out about how incredible it is to be part of our industry. Yeah, so... It is incredible. It is. It's still a fantastic industry, even though a lot has changed. I think there's still a lot of perks for being in it. Um, I'm currently working with NASCO on their workforce development committee, and they're really taking a proactive approach on finding out the people that are in our industry, why they're here and on the labor side, as well as like uh, higher ups and how they found out about it, you know, and what's what's keeping them from leaving and what would cause them to leave. Um, and, and so they're really being proactive on a lot of that. And I, I think we have a lot of issues that we're facing as an industry and as a country. Um, a lot of the current issues I see with our labor force is due to the bullwhip effect from COVID, COVID uh, stimulus. And I, if you look at, I believe it was 2019 to 2020, companies like Amazon and Walmart's employment jumped 62%. 2019, Amazon had 600,000 employees, and 2020, they had 1.2 million. Um, gigantic increase due to demand. And we've seen, we've seen a massive increase in demand on our end as well, but everyone's fighting for those same resources, uh, labor. And I don't think we're doing – I really don't know – I don't know why we're failing. Uh, I think a big portion of it is lack of knowledge. People don't, don't know what we're doing. They have no idea that we even exist. You know, they don't, they flush their toilet and that's, that's all they think about. They think I've got buddies who are plumbers and they don't really know much about anything on the municipal side. 
so it's a mass. I think the lack of knowledge is a massive issue and lack of knowledge of opportunities within the industry is a massive issue. Um, however, labor shortages aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, there's a, there will be a short-term increase as companies like Amazon lay people off, but in the next 50 years or so, the population hasn't grown enough and isn't continuing to grow to fill the gap that boomers will leave when they retire. And so I think what we will see is, is a massive increase, hopefully in innovation, um, which is scary on, on some sense with all of the venture capitalists we have pouring in, they tend to not innovate like a lot of the smaller companies do. The competition, the game is different. The business game is different is what I would call it. Small businesses compete by innovating and being better than their competitor. Venture capitalists compete by buying their competitor, you know, um, and who has bigger pockets and who can lose money longer is how they compete. Um, so it's, it's a different game, but I'm not, I think that there will still be a, a massive increase in innovation through, through guys who are working for these large companies and showing and hearing complaints from customers. And we will see a renaissance in a lot of small small businesses again in the next generations due to the lack of innovation that these VCs are bringing in, um, which has changed a lot of the industry and, and a lot of the perks of it. I think there's still a taste of, of how friendly it used to be. Mm. Um, and I think people miss that. And I think that it will come back um, hopefully in a massive way. That's what I'm counting on. So you see, it's going to be like a cycle, you know, big, the big businesses came in because we've all seen it where they bought out a lot of great small family owned companies. And then yeah. you do, like you were saying, you hear the stirrings of, you know, customer service goes down, you know, the parts and, and, and you go from being a customer, a valued customer to just being a decimal point on some accountant spreadsheet that gets reported to wall street. And so yeah. it's less about, how you're servicing the customer, but more how good you look to the shareholders. And I don't, you know, I might get a lot of pushback for, from saying this, but ours is an industry that can't really be run that way. Because yeah. as you said in our prior, our prior episode together, is that we're responsible for the safety and health of everybody's lives. Yeah, And yeah. so- we're not a commodity. We're not something that, oh, you can find another one of those on the corner. And it is a finite, it is a finite customer pool. So it's, if you don't treat your customer right, somebody else will. And I, I really loved what you said, that, that thing of hope that maybe some of these folks that have been part of companies that got bought out will then decide to get bit by the entrepreneurial bug and start something new on their own again and yeah. do some and do some innovation and it'll it'll come kind of full circuit we'll start to go into a a cycle again of innovation yeah i hope so i mean it, it's unfortunate that so many companies that had lifelong employees those lifelong employees now since the company's been bought out are ready to go you know you can't pay for that type of uh i don't what, what's it called a I can't loyalty. You can't pay for that right. type of loyalty. There's no number you can put on that. Um, and they've lost it. And these, these guys are pouring in this money's pouring in and they're just getting as cheap as possible in products. And cities are not getting 
not getting the relationships they used to have um, because those, those salesmen are leaving a lot of times because a, you know, salesmen are typically a, a large cost to a company. Um, and so they look at that number and they say, oh, we can just replace you with a, anybody with a business degree, you know, anybody right out of college. And it's not true when, especially when our sales cycle is a year plus on a lot of products. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think that there's going to be a ton of opportunity in the next few years. And if, if you're looking at it, it, it's kind of on, it's writing on the wall for, I think for a lot of people. Um, and, and hopefully a lot of these guys who've been in it for so long and have relationships and have access to people that trust them will, will start their own companies. And we can kind of have that renaissance of smaller businesses jumping back in. And because some of those older, those older generations have retired, you know, a lot of the people my grandfather worked with, that we knew growing up are gone. They've retired, you know, they've sold their businesses and have retired. And so there's not, it, it almost seems like there's not that backup line that there should have been, you know, there's not that second generation of people. It, it just kind of went to a faceless VC um, that didn't care. But, I, you know, I heard that happen before. I remember my grandfather talking about that, the large companies that got larger. So this isn't the first time and we're not the only industry that has, faced these type of situations but hopefully uh hopefully some people you know decide to go out on their own or or cities decide you know they they're i can't tell you how many small cities aren't getting help that they need or yeah that they need just because venture capitalists don't see enough zeros in a weird way i i would agree there and it's, it's also you know something you were that you mentioned about, you know, growth for innovators, because we have to deal with emergencies. Uh, I think business and people that are maybe thinking about, oh, this industry looks like a really good investment, you know, with trenchless technology and all of the, you know, development that's occurred that, you know, infrastructure, it's, it's big business. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really big business, but they have to understand if they're deciding to invest in this industry, is that we are an emergency-based industry. A lot of the people here, they have to respond to emergencies. We're kind of like the fire department. Yeah. When there's an SSO in the street or a water main is broken, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, um, we're kind of busy or I don't have staff. Uh, we'll get to that in another couple of weeks when we have time. We had the coldest Christmas in, in the last like 50 years. How many people were working on, I know in our city, we had a ton of water breaks and water freezes that caused massive issues. And I know those guys were working. It didn't matter that it was Christmas day. Yeah, exactly. You know, we were like the fire department. You can say, Oh, your house is burning down. Oh, I'm sorry. The truck is burned <laughs> down and, and they wouldn't give us a loaner and, and we don't have the part for it. So we can't get the truck out. No, it doesn't work that way. It's again, yeah. it's, it's having to understand that there's got to be that service after the sale because the people that are responsible for this, they have to have that equipment at the ready. In some yeah. cases, 24-7, just like a fire truck. It has to be ready to go and hit the hit the ground running. And so I really, I really like that. And the other thing that I wanted to, to touch on was something that you mentioned is maximizing the per person. And I wanted to know what you meant by that. Yeah. I mean, I, what I meant by that is that as 
our population decreases, we're kind of in a population crisis that globally our population's decreasing. And in America specifically, it is. Um, luckily that we we still have a lot of immigration and people still want to come here. So that will help us help us survive some of that. Um, but the next generations aren't having kids like the boomers did. And so our workforce is going to be limited. And I think cities will have to start doing more with what they have. Um, and same with contractors. So I think anything where you can maximize the amount of input to output for a city or a contractor will be the future. Um, whether Whatever technology it is, you know, I think a lot of contractors will have to get used to, let's say you have a five-man crew running something like CCTVing. You know, in the future, you may not be able to afford five-man. It may have to be three-man to do more with. So innovation is going to be massive. Just It's going to have to be just due to the fact of our population. There is really no – there really is no option. Um, and the ones who come out on top are the ones who will really innovate first and, and correctly in that sense. So I think any product – or service that can get the maximum amount with the smallest amount of input as well as cost is just going to be a, a big, really big in the future. Well, I also see, and you and I talked about this, the importance of making the industry more attractive through paying well, but just as important as the pay, it's the workforce culture and the workplace culture in that um, there have been a lot of surveys coming out that what is what is like some of the top things that would make you stay in a job? And believe it or not, of the top 10 things that they had to rank, they listed them in, you know, in what order, put a number next to it. Hey, wound up surprisingly enough at number seven. Yeah, whereas, I believe that. Whereas being heard and being allowed to weigh in and contribute ideas came in at one and two. Yeah. Which was a surprising for a lot of the old guard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think pay, pay has been such a miss. Um, everyone's just like, Oh, well we pay well. Why are people not working? And if that, if, if you're a company and you're asking yourself that it's because it has nothing to do with pay. Um, it has to do with your culture and, and it's such a big deal. And I don't think enough people focus on it, but they're starting to, um, there's a public company, it turned public, but they, they have some of the best customer service I think I've ever seen. And for, especially for a massive company, uh, it's called Chewy and you want to like, it's oh ordered. yes, I buy from them all the time. They're, they're a few billion dollars. I think their market caps, a few billion dollars. And if you call them and you have an issue with a the product, they turn the product off nationwide almost immediately. And they'll follow up with you if your dog has to go to the vet. Um, and people want to work with them because of that and the culture that they produce. And so I think, and not only that, but you can also get a lot more out of employees if they, if they feel like they want to do it, you know, and they feel like mm -hmm. they want to do it for whatever your culture is, whether it's being a team um, or whatever. I mean, we have football, you have people in uh, college football who are willing to hit themselves against each other and, and cause potential brain damage because they're part of a team and they want to protect their team, you know? Um, so it's, it's extremely valuable. And I, I think it, with the VCs pouring in, a lot of that culture is leaving and those people are, are, are really reaching for more of it. 
And so I think that we will hopefully see, you know, if, if more people jump in more of that culture. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, because of COVID, we lost a lot of our human connection. And I think companies now, as people are coming back together and having to work together because they've been apart for so long, or maybe even there's still remote teams that when they are together, that they have to invest in, you know, I, we call it workforce development training using tools such as, um, you know, Wiley's Everything Disc or uh, Emotional Intelligence or the Y Institute to help people understand themselves, understand their coworkers, and really build teams to create, as they say at um, Everything Disc, they say it's called the aha moment where you yeah. get a bunch of people who really didn't know much about each other, but now that they recognize she needs to receive information this way. He needs to communicate this way in order to get his idea out. And you need to be patient until he can get that out. And once they start to understand each other as to how they need to communicate and receive information, what motivates them, what stresses them. Next thing you know, oh, I never knew that upset you. Yeah. Or somebody saying, well, I felt like you just did never have had time to listen to me. And it was because they have a hard time absorbing information given to them in that way. So once you learn how to work together, you bridge those gaps. And now you become a team where there isn't that, that friction. There isn't that animosity between people. And they're on the same page working together towards the same goal. Yeah. People want to build build something together they want to be a part of something they truly do they truly yeah. do and like we were saying earlier being heard and being allowed to contribute instead of well i'm the boss and this is the way we're going to do it yeah. and 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 it doesn't mean that you know sometimes people just need to be heard and it doesn't even matter if their idea didn't get adopted but the fact that they were given the chance to at least throw it out there to the table that makes them feel good yeah yeah, I'm sure you do that. I mean, it's I know as a small company and not a family company, you family companies have their own set of you I would call unique issues. Yeah, yeah. If the, if everyone working within this company wasn't making decisions on their own every day, we wouldn't function. Because I can't, I can't make every decision, um, and so they have to be able to make those decisions and be able to function on their own without having like, you know, very strict guidelines because stuff we we have stuff break every single day that if they can't decide and, and feel as though not only that, but then get recognition for that. Like, Hey, you saved this. This is what your, your decision-making really did, I think is massive. Um, and we struggle with that. I'm, I'm terrible at recognition, but we, I try to get better. And I'm, that's my goal for 2023 is to just kind of emphasize like, Hey, being a part of a team and, and you are valuable. Um, which is, I, I think that small businesses do well because they have to, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's wearing so many hats. Yes. Um, everyone within this company is doing way more than they're probably being paid for. I know, I know that, uh, I've got siblings that work for other companies doing similar stuff, similar stuff to some of our positions, making way more than, uh, a smaller company could pay. They also don't have as much satisfaction in a lot of ways um or that team you know they don't there's no loyalty they feel as though like mm -hmm. oh well if, you know the company goes down we're just gonna be laid off 
So if I get a job with $10 more, I'm just going to go do it. Um, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't value your employees, they're not going to value you either. Good point. Good point. And, and they got to have the right, you know, it's what it's a good friend of mine. who said, you can teach skills. You can't teach attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Either yeah. somebody has it or they don't. And so, you know, I, I want you, I thank you for, you know, coming on and just sharing, you know, your insights on what you see for the industry and the ways that we can, you know, just work together to, to make it better. I do see that we are, like you were saying, we're going through a shift and then I love that term and you kept saying a renaissance. Yeah. I, 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 I look forward to, to seeing the next wave of innovation and new forward thinking companies coming up with ideas, you know, even, even things that are, well, you know, everybody hates this word, but disruptive, because yeah. I do think sometimes disruptive technologies are good. They shake it up a bit. They, they make you realize, wow, I've been doing it this way for forever. Well, maybe there is a better way to do that. And like yeah. you were saying, people being forced to do more with less, and we have to make sure that we do not burn out the workforce that we do have because they are so critical to everybody's well-being and so yeah well thank you for you know you know continuing to carry the torch in the industry for your family and staying on because you said you had other siblings that are doing other things but you know yeah. thank you harry for you know keeping keeping it alive it's, oh, it's yeah <laughs> Well, no, it I is. push it it's, to everyone I know. So yeah, it's folks like it's folks like you that I think make our industry the the fun place that it is. Most people that I talk to, I say, well, what got you into the industry? What made you say? What made you stay? You know, was it was it you like working outdoors? What? And nine times out of ten, they'll say, I stayed because I fell in love with the people. Yeah, you'll see the same people at every trade show, and they're wearing a different shirt every three years you know yeah they, but it's, it's the funny. same people they, they change jobs but they stay within the industry it's almost like we get we get hooked we get hooked it's just oh are you still with and they'll say oh no that was three shirts ago it's kind of have to laugh about that but it is you know you go to the industry trade shows it's true it's almost like if you go every year to go into a family reunion yeah yeah <laughs> and i remember i remember being young and when we first went and my mom was like taking us around like dogs, you know, like, have you met him? You know, like, and, and it was just like, well, you know, everyone here, how do you know everyone at all of these shows? And then I've started doing more and more shows. And I'm like, okay, it's the same people. And everyone's known each other for 10 years, you know? Exactly. It, and, it's and they're extremely welcoming. They are extremely welcoming to new people. And they, oh, I have yes. never had more people come up to me and say, we haven't seen you here before. Have you met come with us. Have you met this guy? Have you met this guy? Here's who, Oh, this is the products you sell. Here's who you need to go meet with. You know, like, have you talked to the city? You need, here's his number. Go talk to them, go do this. They're everyone wants everyone to succeed, which I think is extremely rare for a lot of industries. I have, I've been in many different industries and I've got quite a few decades on you. And I will say in my career, I've never seen an industry quite like this one where there is such a generosity of spirit and wanting to help each other be better as yeah. an industry. It's, it, I've never, you know, experienced anything like it. 
I remember the first part. And it still like surprises after... me to this day. The way that, just like you were saying, oh, you're new. I haven't seen you here before. Here's who you need to meet. And people like introducing you to people. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. I don't think you'll get that. At, I don't think you'll get that anywhere else. No, I haven't heard other people talk about it within like their work. There's no, it, we're, we're unique in that sense. I remember my first like after party I went to um, at WEF Tech. And okay. I'm walking around and talking to people and they're like, I'm like, what do you do? Oh, CCTV. What do you do? CCTV. And then I realized like, this is a CCTV competitors party. They're all, everyone here does CCTV. And they were all joking around that, you know, they would joke about jobs that maybe they had lost or lost to the other guy. And they were joking about it. And there was no animosity or, or anger or anything. It was very, very eye-opening um, early on. Yeah, one of the things that happens sometimes in our industry is co-opetition. I have, you know, two clients that they worked in the in the same area and a big contract was coming up in the local municipality and it was going to demand almost like round the clock work, a lot of easement into very very challenging access points. And they specified that they wanted the reports done a certain way and they needed certain certain things done within a certain time constraint. And they looked at each other or they looked at the bid and both of them realized they knew each other from the local, you know, WEA meeting. And it's like, okay, we both run the same camera equipment. We both are running the same software. I don't have enough personnel to do this contract myself. And I'm not going to buy another rig and hire more people for just a temporary contract. You don't have enough. Why don't we go in on it together? Yeah, that's awesome. And they beat out a guy who did have the staff, but they went in on it together. And as a result, these two owners of these two businesses did this project together and then wound up being lifelong friends, like best buddies. Wow, that's awesome. And and it's just, that's that's something that I don't think you're going to see that in, in other industries. And you never know, because you might be out on a project, especially if you're a sewer service contract, you might be out on a project and something has come up that all of the, everybody will tell you, there's no such thing as a perfect project except the one that hasn't started yet, where you get in the CCTV footage or the lay of the land or the scope of work or whatnot, and something starts to go terribly south and you're in trouble. And isn't it nice to be able to pick up the phone with someone who's maybe handled something like this before and say, hey, Joe, I'm out on a job. This is what I'm running into. Have you ever seen anything? And Joe says, yeah, I can tell you exactly what to do. Do you have this, this, and this? I'm like, no, I don't have that tool. Well, give me an hour. I got to run to the shop. I'll go get it and I'll bring it to you. And I hear those kind of stories in the industry all the time. Yeah, I remember people helping people in a pinch. I remember jumping in here and, and when our when my grandfather passed away, a lot of his knowledge was gone with him. He yeah. was the he was the business. But I, I remember um him telling me, like, hey, if you ever have an issue with making our units call this guy, he's our competitor. And I was like, Well, that doesn't make any sense. So I called him one day and he, we had a three hour conversation and he told me every everything, everything. It was like there was no secrets. And and he helped me and it was like uh, he wanted nothing but for us to succeed, even though we're competitors in the same market, you know, and he said, here's how you do it. Here's the issues we have. Here's what we functioned. And, and thankfully we've been able to return some of that to him. But I was, I remember thinking like, 
you know, he he could have put the blade in our heart that just sunk us. And instead he helped us up um, to really continue to, to be a business. Welcome to the industry. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. well, on that very happy, positive note, we're going to sign off. But Harry, again, thank you for coming on the show. And for those of you who are interested in maybe learning more about Harry's company, Rainstopper, if you would give us the website address, please, and then spell your name so they can find you on LinkedIn and connect. Yeah, it is rainstopper.us. And my name is Harry Hermes, H-A-R-R-Y, H-E-R-M-E-S, the fourth, I-V. All right. Well, again, thanks. And thanks of you to tuned in today to this week's episode of the podcast. And until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies, creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you wanna learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment or trenchless, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit group forward slash B dash A dash podcast dash guest, or simply click the link in the show notes below. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be. You are my superheroes. Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.